Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Uh, before we jump into our teaching, I do want to invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer as we uh, lift up this tragic situation that happened in Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary School. Uh, would you join me in a moment of prayer? Thank you very much. Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine uh, the families uh, who lost a child. Uh, hard to imagine the nightmare that those children endured and those who survived. Uh, they'll forever uh, be marked by what took place there. And uh, we do want to constantly uh, keep the children and their families in our prayers. Well, in spite of all that is happening in the world, I do want to wish each and every one of you uh, a very happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you know, I thought of the quote that's uh, often proclaimed uh, on this weekend, uh, but never gets old. And it reminds us our freedom uh, is not free. And, uh, you know, uh, we want to live each day uh, as if that's true, uh, that the freedoms we enjoy uh, cost an awful lot. And uh, we should live every day uh, like it really matters, because it does. In fact, I was uh, reminded of Paul's words in Galatians uh, chapter 5, where he talks about our freedom. He says the only thing that matters, really, uh, is, is faith expressing itself through love. And when you sum uh, all of our response to God up, uh, this is how the Apostle Paul said, uh, the way we most should uh, live today as if it matters is uh, express the faith that we have in God through Christ. Express that uh, in new and creative ways of loving people every day. In fact, I would say this. Uh, if we are not learning uh, to love people more intentionally, more creatively, uh, we're wasting our freedom on things that don't really matter as much. And uh, you can think about that as you're grilling up your tube steaks this weekend, enjoying your friends and family. Well, before we jump into our teaching, I do want to remind you of this resource called the Version. If you download that on your phone or your device, uh, drop the drop-down menu in the lower right-hand corner under events, search for Arlington FM Church, and there you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your podcast player, do a little search for Arlington FM Church, and there you'll find all of our teaching content as well. Uh, well, we just finished a series. It was called QR, Quality Relationships, and we were cracking the code on, on what it is that releases the life of God into our relationships with him, with one another. And uh, the whole series was based on this truth, that every good thing that God wants to pour into our lives comes through the quality of our relationships. In fact, our future opens up to us uh, through the vitality, the health of our relationship with Jesus, with one another, and, and with the world that God calls us to love. Well, today is a bit of a transition message. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go from where we've been, uh, talking about the quality of our relationships, to where we're heading this summer, and we're going to take a really in-depth look at uh, where God's taking us as, as people of faith, 
What's that journey that we're on? What does maturity, growth, and development look like in the life of a Christ follower? And uh, it's kind of this message today is kind of a bridge between uh, those two realities, uh, the quality of our relationships, the development of our faith and our growth as Christ followers. And uh, we come out of Ephesians chapter 2, or chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, Paul writes, in Christ, in him, and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and with confidence. Uh, hear that again. Uh, because of what Jesus has done in our relationship with him, we can approach God. We can come near to God. We can, uh, we can uh, lay hold of that ultimate connection with our creator. And we can do it, Paul says, in two ways, in freedom and with confidence. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever had to appear in court? You ever had to approach the bench and uh, look the judge in the eye? You know, I hate that feeling. I always feel, you know, from the moment my name is called, they usually mess up my name, uh, Chuck Shokey, and uh, you stand up, and uh, all of a sudden, all my excuses, you know, why I was speeding, uh, suddenly seemed pretty lame. <laughs> you know, I was uh, staying up with traffic. My foot fell asleep on the gas. Uh, I, I didn't realize how fast I was going. Suddenly, uh, you just want to plead mercy. And uh, there's a feeling that I'd rather be anywhere on earth than in that setting, approaching that judge. Well, uh, what Paul is saying here, the freedom and the confidence we have to approach God, it's the opposite of that. It's uh, we get to step into the presence of the all-powerful, almighty, all-loving God. And uh, we can do that with freedom, Paul says. Without shame, we can be free from shame, free from unworthiness, free from fear of judgment. And we can do it with confidence, knowing that God is for us, that he loves it when we come near to him, and he loves to supply what we need uh, to do well in life. That's an amazing reality. In fact, Paul will touch on it again. Uh, chapter 2, verse 18, he says, Through Christ, for through him, we have access to the Father by one spirit. And the key there is uh, through Christ, through our connection with him, we can access all that God is, all of his resource, all of his strength, all of his understanding. You know, uh, that access is an amazing privilege, and uh, we should not overlook it. I, I remember one occasion where I was denied access. My wife and I were traveling in the south. We were on our way to North Carolina to visit my daughter, who was going to school there. And uh, as we were traveling, uh, we were in Georgia. I, I saw a sign that said, uh, Augusta, Georgia. It was like a couple hundred miles. And I said to my wife, hey, would you mind if we took a detour to Augusta? I'd like to see the famous golf course, Augusta National, it's where the, the Masters Tournament is played each year. I remember uh, growing up as a, a young kid watching Jack Nicklaus uh, win the Masters, I don't know, for the 10th time. Uh, but uh, just the memories surrounding that event. She said, sure, let's take a detour. So we found our way to Augusta, uh, made our way to the entrance uh, of the golf course, the famous Magnolia Lane. And you'll see this picture here. We were looking down at the promised land. You know, at long last, we were here, and we were about ready to drive up uh, the storied Magnolia Lane uh, until uh, in the next photo, this gentleman stepped out, 
And uh, I told him my best stories. I told him, uh, you know, I grew up watching the Masters. I knew I only had one shot to get by the guard at the gate. And so I laid it on pretty thick and I asked him if we could drive in, look around. He said, no, sir. And I said, well, uh, can I just drive up as far as I can see and turn around and head out? He said, no, sir. And uh, it became apparent we had no access to this storied golf course. And uh, a flip-flop, flip-flop that feeling uh, with a much different feeling. And in this story, uh, my wife and I were giving, given full access. We were uh, traveling in South France. Uh, we were getting ready to get on. This was about a year ago, uh, last August. And uh, as I guess as today, COVID restrictions were all over the place. And uh, in order to uh, get on the plane to head back to the U.S., there were a number of things we needed to have. We needed to have, of course, our passport. Uh, we needed to have our boarding pass, which we did not have one. We were flying standby, so we were like uh, the low rung on the totem pole. And then we needed to have our vaccination card. In addition, we needed to have proof that we'd had a COVID test within the last 48 hours that was negative. And uh, this was all in the queue line just to get in the real line to get on the plane. And uh, we knew that we couldn't get in the queue line until we had some sort of boarding pass. So we've got all our luggage. We spotted a customer service there in the Air France terminal, uh, people waiting in line. We got in that line. Fact is, there was no one behind the counter. We asked the people, why are you waiting in this line? And their response was, we're hoping someone will show up that we can talk to. And in that hopeless situation, uh, my wife said, stay here with the bags. I'm going to go back and check at the Air France lounge, which she had seen an elevator to. And I said, good luck with that. That's for preferred privilege uh, clients. We're not getting in that lounge. A few minutes later, she returned under her breath. She said, grab our bags. Uh, the agent up there told me, don't tell anyone where you're going. And so we slipped out of the line, made our way to the lounge. And uh, in that lounge, we not only got our boarding passes, uh, but the, the fellow who was dealing with us uh, invited us to stay, have brunch, help ourselves to anything we wanted in the lounge. He would call us when it was time to board the plane. Well, uh, we were lavish with the full access of everything uh, that Air France Lounge had to offer. And uh, that's just a, a minuscule peak at what God has opened up to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Paul is celebrating that. He's saying, look, uh, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. We can have that ultimate connection with the possessor of all life. And uh, we can do it uh, with uh, knowing that there's nothing that God will withhold from us that we need to live well. In fact, Paul uh, describes uh, kind of the essence of what that really means. He says in verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're no longer bottom feeders. You're no longer standing at the gate wishing you could get in, uh, standing in a line with no one there to help you. You're fellow citizens with God's people. You're also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the key figure. He's the cornerstone of this building that God is erecting. Uh, he goes on, he says, in Christ, in our relationship with him, the whole building is joined together 
and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And that's this amazing uh, outcome of, of as we respond to Christ, he's building us together for this reason. He says, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's an amazing truth that uh, God is fitting our lives together so that he can live among us, live in us. God can take residence in our little corner of the world as we respond to Christ, open our hearts to one another, and allow him to knit our lives together. Uh, you know, maybe you saw this horrific event uh, happen just about a year ago. It's been uh, called the Surfside Condo Collapse, and this uh, this uh, really uh, nice-looking building, uh, not all that old, uh, it just it, it collapsed, uh, killing scores of people in the process. And as they uh, tried to figure out exactly what happened, uh, they they found some uh, some pillars that were weight-bearing. That uh, literally, uh, when the when the uh, construction people erected this building, they went cheap. On the pillars, they didn't put in quite enough steel rebar, and because uh, those pillars were faulty, this happened. The whole thing just caved in, and uh, here's the truth that's uh, portrayed in that, uh, that event. If, if we remove the cornerstone of Christ Jesus uh, he, from that central place that he has, uh, the building, the whole building falls apart. If we don't have that vital connection with Christ at the center point of our faith and our devotion, the whole building crumbles. Uh, you, you could say it another way like this. Uh, people doing church without a healthy, vibrant, and responsive relationship with Jesus are a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, just read those words again. When we try to do church, Without a vibrant and responsive relationship with Jesus, uh, we are a disaster waiting to happen. In fact, that's the message Christ taught at the end of the great Sermon on the Mount. He said this, uh, look, everyone who hears these words of mine, uh, think of his words, uh, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another as I have loved you if we have faith. And yet we don't do that. Uh, here's what Jesus said that's like. It's uh, anyone who hears these words and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish person who built this house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Uh, see, uh, here's the truth. Uh, when we try to build a life around faith, but it's not centered on a responsiveness to the commands of Jesus to love people the way he loves us. We're building a house of cards like that Surfside condo. It's going to collapse, uh, whether it's in our own lives, in our homes, in our churches, and in our communities. And uh, uh, Paul uh, really underscores uh, the essential nature of our responsiveness to Christ and uh, as our expression of worship. He says... Uh, from Christ, from that interaction with him. Now he, he changes uh, from the analogy of a building to the analogy of a healthy body. He says, as we interact with Christ, the whole body, that's all of us, 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Uh, this body grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Uh, now this, again, it's an amazing truth. Uh, but uh, uh, Paul, with insight that God gave him, is trying to open up to us that when we, when we follow Christ and we walk in his command to love others the way he loves us, something really miraculous happens. Uh, he knits our lives together, and uh, we have a role to play in the healthy progression of other people of faith, that uh, something comes through us to them in much the same way that uh, the different organs in our bodies uh, contribute to the health of the overall body. And when something's not functioning well, the whole body is weakened and sickened. And Paul is saying that's the way our faith is. When we uniquely respond to Jesus Christ, to his command to love others sacrificially, to give ourselves for others, the least of these, the way that he does for us, something of health comes through us to other people in the body. You know, uh, the key, again, is connecting with Jesus Christ. I remember when our boys were uh, about seven and five years old, uh, we used to travel up uh, to where uh, my wife's mother lived and uh, visit grandma's house. And uh, one of the first things they would do is dart out the back door and play in the backyard. And uh, one day they were out uh, climbing in one of grandma's fruit trees and uh, both of them got on the same branch. Unfortunately, that branch wasn't quite up to the weight that was standing on it, and it cracked. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, I ran out there, got the kids down from the tree. I did what you would do. I went and found some duct tape and uh, duct taped that joint up as best I could. It looked like the attachment was uh, back to where it should be. Well, about a month later, we went up to visit grandma's again, and as I stood in the kitchen, I looked out the back door and or the back window. It was aghast to see uh, grandma's fruit tree. Half of it had died. Why? Because that connection wasn't real. It wasn't vital. It wasn't where it needed to be so that the life could flow in to that part of the tree. And uh, here's what uh, Paul is inviting us into. He's saying, look, as, as you enjoy this uh, privileged relationship you have with God through Christ, you have access to God. You can approach him with freedom and confidence. Now turn that outward and uh, let that connection with God be real with people and let the life of God happen through you to bring health to others. You know, uh, what we're talking about here is more than just uh, telling people what to do. It's more than correcting people. It's more than uh, passing on our standards to them or speaking our truth to them. There's something uh, supernatural that happens uh, through the life of a Christ follower to other Christ followers. And uh, we can't replicate this with our own efforts. This is, uh, this is miraculous. Uh, here's one author trying to put his finger on how health comes through us to others. Uh, author's name is uh, Dr. Larry Crabb. He wrote a book called Connecting, and it's all about uh, this body of Christ being joined together through every ligament. Uh, he asked the question, what would it be like if you had a vision for what others can become in Christ? What would that be like if you saw beyond their weakness, beyond their failure, 
beyond their brokenness, and, and you had something of the, the heart of God uh, for those individuals. And uh, this, is, this is what it means to see others through the eyes of Christ, as Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, he writes, what would be the effect on your sons and your daughters if they realized that you were caught up in the possibility of restored glory in them, of what they could become, uh, not successful or talented or good-looking or rich, but strong and self-assured and fully alive in their response to God. And see, when people connect with Jesus Christ, he gives us that ability to see the possibilities in others of who they could be when their hearts are yielded to God. In fact, uh, uh, Dr. Crabb uh, made this quote. I think it's worth seeing. It says, uh, that power that is in us to bring life to others, it's the life of Christ. It's carried into another soul across the bridge of our vision for them. Hear that again. That power that comes out of every follower of Christ to encourage and strengthen others, it's carried into another soul across the bridge of our vision for them a life that touches the life of another with nourishing power. And again, uh, this is not correcting people. It's not hating on groups that don't agree with you or hold your viewpoints. Uh, this is being uniquely empowered by Jesus to bring the life of God to others. Uh, this is that river of life that we talked about in our last series, that when we truly touch the throne of God and commune with him, he pours it into us, and it flows out of us to the barren and broken places and causes life to happen. This is what Jesus said would take place when we come to him and drink, that out of our innermost being would flow rivers of life-giving water. And, uh, you know, uh, a good picture of this is that story where a woman uh, had suffered an issue of blood in her body for over 12 years. She spent everything she had she went down every rabbit trail. She saw every physician she could afford. When she was broke and empty, she was no more healthy than she was at the beginning of her quest. And yet, in a moment, uh, when she saw Jesus, she thought to herself, if I, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. And as she did, we're told that power flowed out of Jesus to her, and she was made well. That's exactly what we're talking about that Paul says we not only become this building that God dwells in by his spirit, but we, come this, we become this body that's connected together by his spirit, and his life flows from each member to the others. And uh, maybe you're thinking, uh, well, uh, that really doesn't describe my faith walk. Or maybe you're thinking that doesn't describe my church, or that doesn't describe the Christians that I know. Uh, well, here's good news. It can. It, it absolutely can describe your life, your church, the Christians that you know. And it, it all has to do with this, uh, that ultimate connection, uh, the quality of our engagement with the person of Jesus Christ and our openness to allow his life to flow into us. Uh, you know, I was thinking of another a great vision that God had given uh, the prophet Ezekiel uh, we uh, saw in our last series this river of life flowing from the temple. Well, this one's called the Valley of Dry Bones. And uh, I want to just uh, read you some of the highlights. And uh, in this vision, 
the Lord himself is, is guiding Ezekiel to see some things uh, in the spiritual realm. He says, the hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. He set me in the middle of a valley, and the valley was full of bones, dead men's bones. Uh, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, and they were dry. They were bleached. They were absolutely lifeless. And uh, this guy, this heavenly guide, the Lord asked him, son of man, can these bones come alive? And uh, I love Ezekiel's response. He says, sovereign Lord, that's on you. <laughs> you alone know whether or not the bones that are these dead can live again. And then uh, the Lord said to him, I speak to these bones. Say this to them, dry bones. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Well, uh, I want to encourage you, when you have a moment, open your Bible, open your U version, read through Ezekiel 37 and just ponder the kind of life that comes into these dead bones and that really is a, a picture of what God wants to do with us with Christ followers, uh, with churches, uh, maybe that have gone dry. They're not having that life-giving impact on one another. They're not accessing the fullness of the riches of God for their own lives, for their families, for their neighborhoods, their communities, their churches, their countries. And God wants to bring us back to that. He wants to open wide uh, the vault of his resources and say, hey, I've given you free access, now live like it. And so as we end this message, I, I want to simply read to you a powerful prayer. And as you reflect on these words, would you know that God is present now as we open his word? He wants to do this in you. He wants to do it through you. And read along with me, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, Paul says, I pray I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power right now through his spirit in your inner being uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Uh, what, what if we only stopped there? Uh, what if only God did that today, that there was a work of power that allowed the presence of Jesus to live more fully in our hearts? And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. That's the nature of Christ dwelling in us as he convinces us to the depths of our being that we are loved, loved, loved by God and accepted by him, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people. Here comes the relational element to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ and to know personally to experience this love that surpasses knowledge that you, now here's an amazing part of Paul's prayer, that all this would happen so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hello, Lord, could you actually do that in us, uh, that you would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God? Well, uh, the answer to that question, could God actually do this? Paul says, now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power 
that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and faithful followers of Christ and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And would you say with me, amen. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for your reminder of uh, what we have in Christ, that we have access to the ultimate relationship. We can come near uh, to the invisible, all-powerful, almighty God, and we can experience uh, his love, his presence. He can take residence in us in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't have to be like those uh, compromised structures that uh, don't build according uh, to the, the truth that you are with us, you are in us, and our greatest good is found as we respond to you, especially to your command that we would love others the way that you love us. And uh, Lord, I would pray right now uh, that uh, whatever barriers, whatever experiences, uh, maybe we've reached that place where we feel like those dry bones that there's just not the life here that I thought would accompany my faith. Lord, we know that those bones can live not because of anything we do, but because of your disposition, your desire to breathe your life. And would you do that right now, Lord, in those places, maybe those, uh, those enclaves of deadness and dryness that the wind of your spirit would blow through and revitalize. And uh, Lord, allow us to become that connected a body of believers that builds one another up as we are open uh, to your life happening through us uh, to those that you put in our lives. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Uh, hey, well, look, a uh, couple of things uh, before we let you go. Uh, you know, uh, oftentimes we need to find a place to land these great truths. Uh, where, do we, where does uh, our faith touch with our actual day-to-day lives? I want to give you a simple set of truths that we believe in strongly here at Arlington FM Church. They are very simply, uh, here's how we make it real. Uh, Number one, we decide to serve. Uh, Serve people, uh, serve in the church, uh, serve children, you know, serve the least of these. And it's through our serving of one another uh, that God moves us into his greatest plans for our lives. Number two, connect with a few other authentic Christ followers. You know, this is the essence of fellowship, is that we're, we put ourselves intentionally uh, in environments where we're around other people of faith, and uh, how, however we can help you do that, that is one of the reasons we exist here. Thirdly, I want to invite you to give. You know, giving is uh, Jesus said, our hearts follow our treasures. And uh, I would say to you, one of the ways we make our faith and our response to Christ real is by giving to his work. And then finally, invite others to come along with you. You know, this is in the very nature of Jesus. He left the 90 and 9. He goes out and searches for those who are distant from God and need to find him. And he invites us to join him in that joyful task. Well, uh, I want to invite you to connect with me. Uh, Here's my email address. I would love to hear from you. Uh, hear how you're working through this message. Uh, Any way that I could uh, be a part of your journey, I would love to do that. Would like to uh, invite you to join in giving to the mission of Arlington FM Church. You can go to our website, click on the give option, and there read about how God uses our collective gifts to broaden his kingdom in the world. 
And uh, I hope you do have a wonderful Memorial Weekend, and we will see you right here next week.